You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Today is our final message in our study in the Holy Spirit. We began five weekends ago. And in those first two weekends, we really took some time to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And then our third week of the series, we we focused on what actually happened on the day of Pentecost. And then Pastor David was here last weekend, and I'm so thankful that he was able to be here to allow us to seamlessly continue through the study of the Holy Spirit. But when he was here, uh, Pastor David made three very significant statements that I believe are worthy of repeating today because they're so connected to our study in the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said. The first thing he said, what happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost did not stay in the upper room. And this is a reminder to us of what Peter said as he was concluding that great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And he said, this is for you and your children and to those who are far away and to all whom our Lord our God will call. Which means that the day of Pentecost was not a one-off. It was not a one-day experience. But from what Peter said, we know that the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would continue and has continued to this day and will continue on beyond. Uh, The second thing Pastor David said is that the Holy Spirit didn't come to do something to you. He came to do something with you. And this is a reminder of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Just before he was ascended, he said to the disciples, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So in other words, the reminder is, is that Jesus has empowered us for a purpose, and that's to be his witnesses, that we would be the people who realize that through relationship uh, with Jesus Christ that we are now living in the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and that our role is to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. And we do that by the way we live as Christ followers and and by telling the story uh, of Jesus Christ. We're his witnesses. And then finally he said, the goal of the Holy Spirit's work with me is transformation. He moves teaches, comforts, and empowers to transform me and to transform those around me. And these three statements were very significant in setting the stage for the second um, phase of this series, which began last week and which will continue and even conclude this week. Um, I had you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're not going to read it quite yet. But when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, it becomes apparent that the, the believers at the church in Corinth had some questions about spiritual gifts. And so Paul, in his letter of 1 Corinthians, he addresses or he responds to those questions. And there's three significant things that he says. Uh, he says, I don't want you to be misinformed about spiritual gifts. Don't be misinformed. He says there are a variety of gifts, but the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes the gifts. And then finally, he said, we've all been given a gift so that we can help each other. And those are very significant statements. A very important, a very relevant message to the church of Corinth and to the believers in that church, but just as important, just as as relevant to us as a church, as believers today. These things still hold true. Um, During Paul's ministry, he uh, served as a spiritual mentor to a young man by the name of Timothy. 
And Paul wrote uh, Timothy a very personal letter. Uh, and in this letter, he encouraged, he even challenged him to stir up the gifts that had been placed in him by the laying on of hands by the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes when we read this, it's translated, uh, he encouraged him, he challenged him to fan into flame the spiritual gifts that had been placed. We find this in 1 Timothy 1.6. This was not a message. This was not a challenge. This was not an encouragement only to Peter. I mean, to Timothy. This challenge, this encouragement is for us as Christ followers today. You and I as Christ followers are to continuously fan into flame, to stir up the gifts that the Holy Spirit has placed within us. But I would contend that we cannot effectively stir up the gifts. We can't fan the gifts into flame uh, if we don't understand, if we're misinformed, if, if, we're, um, if we've misunderstood what spiritual gifts are about, if we misunderstand even why God has given us spiritual gifts. So what are spiritual gifts? Well, simply put, the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural abilities through the life, uh, released through the life of the believer for effective ministry to others. Let me say that again. The gifts of the Spirit are supernatural abilities released through the life of the believer for effective ministry to others. Pastor Robert Morris in his book, The God I Never Knew, asked the question, why, why does the Holy Spirit give us spiritual gifts? And then he goes on to answer it by saying, so these gifts can be released in ministries for the profit of all. But he goes on to say, and I love this, he gives us gifts so we can be a blessing to others. So in other words, what we have to understand is that the Holy Spirit puts spiritual gifts within us, but those gifts are not for us to hold on to, to hoard. Those gifts are actually for us to continuously give away. That's one of the ways that we fan into flame. And as we're giving these gifts away, the Holy Spirit is continually replenishing, continually empowering, continually building those gifts up into us. Um, last weekend, uh, the focus with Pastor David was on the miraculous gifts. And today we're going to look at three other categories of gifts. Those uh, categories being the discerning gifts, the declarative gifts, and the dynamic gifts. So I want to, uh, those gifts are found in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 4 through 11. So if you turn there or you already have your place there, I want to read those verses to us. Uh, beginning in verse... Um, Four, uh, there are different kinds of spirits, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then in verse seven, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So that means everyone, now in each one, everyone is given a spiritual gift. And we see the reason here. It's for the common good. It's for the blessing of others. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are at work, are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Um, so there we find those three categories of gifts. Now I need to give you a disclaimer, uh, even more so after having worked through them in the first service. Um, there are three categories of gifts, but in each of these categories, there are three different gifts. If you do the math, that's nine gifts, nine spiritual gifts. I do not know what we were thinking when we developed this sermon outline to think that in about 25 minutes, I would actually be able to walk you through an understanding of nine spiritual gifts, which are some of the most debated and misunderstood parts of the Bible. So the disclaimer is, first of all, after the first service, I'm not going to talk to you about nine gifts. We're going to get through six of them. And then you get to study the rest on your own, which is good. That's what we should be doing. Um, but with even those six gifts, it's still going to take some time because I'm trying to give some biblical examples and some personal examples. And so even so, cutting it down to six gifts, just think of it this way. It's an overview. I'm going to do a flyover at about 15, 20, maybe 25,000 square feet. So here's what it means for some of you. It's going to be what you've studied and what you've known, what you've learned before. And it's going to be a refresher. And for others, you're going to hear about spiritual gifts for the first time in a way you never have before. Uh, you, you've never really studied it. And so there's going to be something that starts happening to you. My hope, my prayer is that for everyone, whether you've studied the gifts many, many times, or this is your first time, that there would be something that starts to happen in you today that's new and fresh. And what it would be is that stirring up of what the Holy Spirit has placed into you, that there's a fanning into flame so that there's a fire of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts working in you so that you would want to learn more so that they could be in operation fully in the church. So you ready? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive in. Before I actually begin to talk about the first category, um, there are uh, three kind of general statements that I want to make that will help in our overall understanding. The first is this. You cannot earn a spiritual gift. It's a gift. You can't work for it. There's nothing you can do. It is a grace endowment given by the Holy Spirit for the blessing of others. It's freely given by God. The second thing is no believer is without spiritual gifts. We've already seen that in the scripture. Every single person who comes into relationship with Christ has at least one, but may have more spiritual gifts. But it's also important that we understand that while there may be a primary spiritual gift or gifts that you function in, it doesn't mean that you're locked into that. And that's the only spiritual gift that will be used in your life throughout your lifetime. Instead, it's situational. When you find yourself in particular situations and you need the help of the Holy Spirit to be a blessing to help someone else, if we're open, if we're surrendered, if we're listening, the Holy Spirit will place in us for that time, that situation, another gift that maybe we've never functioned in before. And we have to, by faith, step out and do that. The third thing that I want to say is if you want to grow in your spiritual gifts, you have to use them. 
You have to exercise them. It's sort of like they were given to us in seed form and we have to nurture them. And the way we nurture them is, is to, to begin to use them. It's like exercising a muscle and it gets built up and we're, we, we become more proficient as the Holy Spirit. It's not us, but as the Holy Spirit works in us. So uh, it, it's a step of faith. So with that, let's begin to look at the gifts. And we're going to begin with the first category, the discerning gifts. Generally, when we think of discerning or discernment, we think of the ability to perceive something. And typically, we think of it in more natural terms, like natural intuition. I had this feeling. I had this intuition that this or that was going to happen. Well, when we begin to think about discerning or discernment in relation to spiritual gifts, it takes it from the natural realm and moves it into the supernatural realm. And there are at least three ways that the discerning gifts might be experienced or exercised. And the first is a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is experienced or exercised when the Holy Spirit allows you to know something that you didn't learn by natural means. It's a supernatural transfer of information that you could not have possibly known by natural processes. A biblical example, a great biblical example of the word of knowledge is found in John chapter 4 when we read the story of Jesus and his encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Um, Jesus and the disciples go through Samaria. They come to a well. They stop. Jesus stays while the disciples go into town to buy some food. A woman comes, a Samaritan woman, and Jesus does what's unthinkable. He speaks to her and he says, would you give me a drink of water? And her, her response is, you know, Jews don't speak to Samaritans. And in that culture, it was not even that there would be that kind of conversation that would happen between a man and a woman. So she was quite surprised, but that opened up the door for a conversation. And Jesus began to talk to her about um, uh, living water. And he actually revealed to her that he was the living water. And, and she didn't quite understand what he was saying, but she was very curious. And so she said, sir, would you give me this living water so that I will never have to thirst again? I'll never have to draw water again if I have this living water. And Jesus said this, he said, Go and get your husband. And she said, I don't, I don't have a husband. And this is where a word of knowledge began. Jesus was fully God, but Jesus was fully man. And so the Holy Spirit began to, to speak to him. He said, you're right that you don't have a husband. But in fact, you've had previously, you've had five husbands. And the man you're with now, he's, he's not your, your husband. She was astounded she was so astounded that she changed the direction of the conversation and tried to move it into, well, where's the best place to worship? But what we know in the end is this woman ran to her village and said, come see a man who told me everything about my life. Jesus had an impartation of the Spirit. It was a word of knowledge. He knew something about her as the Spirit imparted to him that he could not have known by natural processes. It's not like he Googled her. He couldn't look her up on Facebook and stalk her to find out her history. You're supposed to laugh right there. Good, thank you. You, you get what I'm saying? There was a, there was a supernatural transfer of knowledge that he could not have known. 
That's what the gift looks like. I want to just share a personal story um, where I've seen it working in my life. My, our younger son, his name is Zach, and Zach is, he's 30, 31 years old now, but he's an avid snowboarder. About 10 to 12 years ago, um, he spent some time with an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. He, uh, as I said, he's an avid snowboarder. So the outreach, this was tough life, was in Switzerland. And the outreach was to uh, reach out to, to the snowboard community, something common that they had snowboarding to share the gospel. Um, uh, his training was, was in Switzerland. Uh, leave that for just a moment and then come to back to Cornelius. Cammie and I were living in Stratford Forest in Cornelius. And at about seven o'clock one morning, we were both in our family room and we were doing our morning devotions. And um, Cammie suddenly stopped and she said, we have to pray for Zach right now. And it was very urgent. She said, I don't know what's going on, but I know that something is going on and we need to pray for Zach right now. And so we stopped and we began to pray. And we began to pray for his protection. We began to pray in our spiritual languages because we weren't really sure how to pray. But we knew that the Holy Spirit had prompted her that something was going on with our son and we needed to pray right now. Later that day, I get a call from Zach and he says, I want to tell you what happened to me earlier today. He said, um, we were uh, on the slopes. It was the last run of the day. Um, I was the last one coming down the slope and I decided to go off the slope and go into some kind of cross country um, areas where he really wasn't supposed to go. Um, he said, there was no one around. He said, I, uh, I sunk into a snow drift. And he said, it came up to my waist and it began to constrict me. And he said, I was stuck. It was like quicksand. He said, I began to feel the difficulty in breathing. He said, it was as if my lungs were freezing. And he said, dad, I was stuck and I couldn't get out. He said, but then suddenly, suddenly I remembered something. And it was something that was very natural, but it was supernaturally given to him. He said, I remember watching an episode of Survivor Man. And he said, Survivor Man dealt with this very thing. And I remember that he said, do this if this ever happens to you. And he said, so I began to work uh, out the processes that he said until I was able to dig myself out of that snowdrift. He had a near-death experience. When we calculated the times... Guess what time it would have happened for about 7 o'clock. It would have, the, Switzerland, our time, it was about 7 o'clock for us in the morning. And it was at the very moment that, uh, so there were actually two gifts that were merging together. Um, Cammie had a word of knowledge. Something's up with your son, pray now. And then Zach had a word of wisdom because suddenly there was something imparted to him about how to get out of that. And that's just a very natural, supernatural way a, a, a gift like that can function. Um, how might that function in your life? Well, very naturally, but supernaturally. Let's say a friend calls you and says, um, I'm just going through a really tough time. Could we meet for coffee? Post-COVID, right? Pre-COVID. Uh, could we meet for coffee? And uh, you say, sure. And so you, got, you, you and your friend go out for coffee and they're walking through and they're telling you the situation that they're currently in. And while they're talking, suddenly you see kind of dropped into your heart and your mind uh, a picture. It's almost like a little mini film and you see several things transpire. And suddenly you know, 
This, I, how, I, I, need to, I need to say this. You know it's not just you. And so you say to that person, you know, while you were talking, I saw a picture. Uh, it was almost like this, this little short film. And in that, there was a time where such and such happened to you. And because that happened, you began to feel this way. And I believe that that's kind of the root of what's going on with you today. And that person says, how did you know that? Who t- did you talk to my mom? In other words, there was a word of knowledge. You had something dropped into your heart supernaturally. And you, by a step of faith, you shared it. And so there's a blessing. There's a ministry to others. Um, let's keep on moving. Uh, within the discerning gifts is the discerning of spirits. And discerning of spirits is the gift of the Holy Spirit that makes believers aware of the presence of demonic spirits. Discerning of spirits is the Holy Spirit given capacity to discern whether something is good or evil. To, to be able to discern whether it's from the Holy Spirit, whether it's from demonic fluences, or sometimes just human origin. But it's the ability to discern. Not because you have the ability. You're not a fortune teller or anything like that. But, but the Holy Spirit drops something into you. And you're able to see into that situation. We see this on multiple occasions in the New Testament. Uh, Peter uh, and his involvement with the, Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. Um, Simon the sorcerer, uh, he watched the disciples lay their hands on people and there was a manifestation uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was a visible manifestation. And, and Simon the sorcerer said, I want this. Can I pay you money to get this? And immediately, Peter was able to discern what was really going on. He was able to discern the motive of Simon the sorcerer's heart. And he said, Simon, you're captive to sin. And there's bitterness in your heart. And, and, and your reason for wanting this is not, it's not of God. So he was able to address it. He knew what was going on in that situation and he was able to offer correction. A a second um, uh, instance of this is uh, Paul and Silas and the young uh, girl who was a fortune teller who was following them around and she kept saying, these men are men of God. These men are men of God, which sounds like, well, why would that be bad? But the Holy Spirit gave Paul, he was just fed up with it. And the Holy Spirit gave Paul the, the ability to, to discern that this was a spirit of divination that was working in her. Even though it sounded positive, its source was from a demonic influence. And so this is what he was able to do. He took authority over it in Jesus' name. And he said, spirit of divination, you can no longer function in this girl. Cease and desist right now. And guess what? It did. She was set free. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? So how might this work in our lives? Well, we all have an enemy, right? His name's Satan. And um, he's deceptive. And um, deception comes about through uh, demonic activity, demonic influence that happens in the world around us. So uh, how might this function? Let's say as a parent. As a parent... Your child might be going through 
a really difficult time. And, you know, it's not just one of the phases of growing up, but there's something that's not right here. And, and, and as you're praying, the Holy Spirit uh, allows you, enables you to discern the demonic influences that are at work deceiving your child. It could happen in your marriage. It could happen in the workplace. It could happen in the church. But the Holy Spirit gives the ability to discern between good and evil. Here's the great thing. We follow the example of Paul and Silas. When Paul was able to discern that it was a spirit of, uh, 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 of divination, what did he do? He took authority over it. So when the Holy Spirit allows you to discern, gives you the ability to discern the demonic influence that's, that's deceiving your child, what do you do? He gives it to you so you know, and you, say, you speak to it, and you say, in the name of Jesus, you no longer have authority in my child's life. You must cease and desist right now. I'm not speaking in my own power, but I'm speaking in the power that was given to me through Jesus Christ, who has already defeated you. And by faith, we believe that we have authority. We've been given authority over these things. Um, uh, the third gift in this, in this section, uh, discerning, is the word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is the Holy Spirit bringing a divine answer or solution for a particular question or challenge. It's not wisdom in general, but notice it's the gift of a word of wisdom and it comes in due season. In other words, it's, it's situational. A word of wisdom is when the Holy Spirit gives insight to a person of how given knowledge might be best applied. And when, the op when this gift is in operation, it uh, allows for the ability to get to the heart of a problem and bring an answer uh, swiftly. In other words, God speaks to someone. He gives them a gift, a word of wisdom, and they're able to speak it into the situation. We see this uh, on two accounts in Acts chapter 6. Um, in Acts chapter 6, the Hellenistic Jews were complaining that their widows were being left out in the distribution, daily distribution of food. The disciples come together and they listen for the Holy Spirit to speak. And the Holy Spirit gives them a word of wisdom. And this was the result. Let's appoint seven deacons full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to take care of the feeding uh, of the widows so that we can continue on in the ministry of prayer and the study of the word. That was a word of wisdom. Later in that chapter, Stephen was one of those men who were chosen to be one of the deacons. Stephen began to go out and he stirred up the dust spiritually because he was doing miraculous things through the power of Jesus working in him. And he, there was great opposition. There was great debate. And it says in the scripture that they were not able to stand up against his wisdom. The word of wisdom was working in his life. Um, how might this work? Let's say in the church. In the church, in our church, God has uh, appointed elders. We have elders uh, who are part of Grace Covenant who attend this, this campus. Uh, also, there have been church council members. We, we voted on those recently. There are leaders. Uh, and oftentimes or sometimes there will be a situation or a challenge in the church or the church needs to make a decision. Maybe a decision about should the East Lincoln campus secure the 10 acres of land so that they can build a future site. And so not wanting to do the wrong thing, they come together and, and God gives wisdom. 
He imparts wisdom. It may be to one or two people in that group, but it's a word spoken that says, yes, this is good. This is right. So let's move on to the second category of gifts. These are the declarative gifts, the vocal gifts. And the first gift in this grouping is the gift of prophecy. And prophecy is the uh, Holy Spirit bringing a word of encouragement to someone. Um, it's when, when the Holy Spirit imparts this gift, it's one person brings encouragement to another person or a group of people. And it's not to be confused with the role of prophet. In the Old Testament particular, we read about prophets. Uh, John the Baptist was a prophet in the New Testament. But the, the prophets foretold the future. And their message typically wasn't a feel-good message. It's like when you saw the prophet coming, it's like, I'm leaving because it's not going to be good news. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it happened. The difference is with the gift of prophecy, and Paul distinguishes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Uh, he says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Those are the foundational things for a word of prophecy. If somebody comes and says, um, Kathy, I have a word for you, and um, it, it, it's all negative. You know what? You could safely say, that's not for God. Because the Bible tells me that the one who speaks that, through that gift, they're strengthening, they're encouraging, and they're comforting. And trust me, I've had people say, I got a word for you. And it's like, sorry, that's not from God. Um, I, I want to give you a very personal example. And it causes me to, um, I, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you. Um, back in December, I received a text message. Both Cammie and I received a text message one day from uh, a person who lives in Texas that uh, we've known for about a year and a half, but because of the distance, we don't really know them really well. So they don't know us really well. They don't know our story. But uh, back in December, we got this text message, and this is what it said. When I was praying for you and Cammie, I saw a picture of a building site with a foundation that had been cracked and fractured, like from an earthquake or a natural disaster, something very significant. Then I see God is bringing together the fragments, leveling the ground and sealing the foundation's breaks and flaws. So much so that you can't even tell that there were divisions and breaks. The foundation you will build upon is going to be better than new in this coming season and will be thicker and more stable than any you have known. He is building with intent and legacy. I can't wait to see what God does. He must have great plans to ensure this foundation is sturdy enough to hold the construct he will partner with you both to build. I got to tell you, after I, I felt really good after that. So let me tell you this. This woman did not know our story. So she didn't know that about 20 years ago in a ministry situation in Southern California, there was a, a situation that happened that was catastrophic. Something that happened with a leader of a church that we were involved in, and it shook our world and our foundation. It, it, it suffered. And then again, five years ago in a ministry situation, not related to Grace Covenant, but in a church situation, Something else happened that was very um, devastating. And again, it, it, it messed with the foundation. Over the period of years, God has been healing us. And we've come really far in that. But 
This was affirmation. There were two gifts that merged here. First, she had a word of knowledge. I see that there was um, uh, a time where there was something that happened where there were foundations in the cracks. Something significant. But then she began to move into the gift of prophecy and she began to say, but this is what God is doing. He's restoring. He's building. It's going to be better than ever. They won't even be able to see that there was any problems in the foundation. So that was a prophetic word that was building up, that was encouraging, that was strengthening us and preparing us for the future. And it lines up with what God's been speaking to Cammie and I about, about our own lives and about the life of this campus. It, it was a word of prophecy. And it was very personal, but, but it, was, it, it was at work. So um, the Apostle Paul places the gift of prophecy above all other spiritual gifts. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. We're to desire the gift of prophecy. Can you imagine, particularly in the world that we live in today, and even in the church world, where in the past two years, even a year, there's been great um, disunity in the body of Christ. There's There's been real problems. Can you imagine that if we all began to desire and function in the gift of prophecy, where we were hearing the Holy Spirit and we were building each other up, encouraging and equipping, rather than tearing down. Can you imagine the progress that we could make in bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth? I have two more gifts I'm going to walk through quickly. Um, Next within the declarative gifts is the gift of tongues. Um, This is the one that gives people in a dither. This is the one that causes, uh, for some people, uh, fear and anxiety. If you remember, in the very first week of the series, I uh, shared about my um, godly, tongue-talking mother who, when we had our family prayer time, would begin to pray in a language that she had never learned, and it scared the bejeebies out of me. It it really did, because I didn't understand it. I I said this in the first service. um, Because it was my mom... It's also the thing that caused me to know that it was true because I knew she, in no discount to my mom, she wouldn't have been able to do that on her. She wouldn't have been able to make it up. It just wasn't possible. Um, she just wasn't that kind of person. And, and, and so uh, this, this gift, here's what the gift is. Um, the gift of tongues, let me say this first. It, it, it can cause fear, it can cause anxiety, but based on what we've been learning over the past three, four weeks, we've learned that the Holy Spirit is our friend. He's our comforter, our advocate. He comes alongside of us and he does for us what we can't do for ourselves. Since those things are true, then why would the Holy Spirit give a gift that would cause fear or anxiety? He wouldn't do that. So, so we have to understand that this, this is a good gift, a gift of tongues. Uh, simply put, are messages in unknown languages inspired by the Holy Spirit for edification and direction. There's so much that I could say about this, and I don't have time. But the, uh, the gift of tongues, the gift of tongues would be experienced in a public gathering, in a church service, in a prayer gathering, in a Bible study. Um, and it would always have the same purpose, to give, give direction and, and to edify to, to build up. 
Um, let me just let me just say this to help demystify it. Um, I, I've been here, Cam and I've been here for almost three years now. You, you're getting to know me pretty well. Um, I think you like me. I don't think you think I'm all that weird. If you do, don't tell me, <laughs> please. But but I think you've seen I'm a pretty normal person, you know. Um, I, I don't do things that just think, gosh, that guy's a freak, or I don't know if I can trust him. I'm just a pretty normal, average, run-of-the-mill guy. I mean, can we basically agree on that? Yeah. Don't, yeah, okay. I feel so much better. Um, throughout my adult years of ministry, there have been times in public gatherings of believers where God has allowed me to function in this gift where maybe it's during a worship portion of, uh, of, of a, a service or gathering uh, or just at a time where we were waiting on the Lord, where the Lord would prompt my heart and I knew that, that he had placed in me a message that I was supposed to bring to the group that was in a language I had never learned. And I would step out in faith and do that. And I'm going to partner it with the next gift real quickly before I close in a minute. But... Um, I tell you that story to say, it's, it's not all that weird. Now, I realize it's strange to think that somebody could, could stand up and speak in a language that they've never learned. Are they making it up? What's the deal here? But when the Holy Spirit imparts it, you can't deny it. Now, let me finish up by giving the, the, the partner gift. And we're going to have to stop after six gifts. Uh, the, the final gift we're going to look at is the gift of the interpretation of tongues. So... Anytime there's a message given in a public gathering of believers in an unknown language, it's not any good if there's not an interpretation. It doesn't help. It doesn't mean anything. It's, Paul talks about it's like a gonging, clashing symbol. It's un, unintelligible. So the Bible says that if there is a message that's given in tongues in a public gathering of believers that we are to pray that there would also be an interpretation. And God orchestrates it so that if one person has the gift, there's another person who has to take a step of faith, but that would say, this is the message that the Lord just spoke. It's not a translation. It's not word for word. It's the Holy Spirit giving the other person the, 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 the impressions of what was spoken here. Sometimes a message in tongues can be this long and the interpretation can be like this. It's just how it happens. But it's not something that we have to be afraid of. But we shouldn't, and we shouldn't be afraid of it. It always has to be carried out in decency and order. Um, when I was growing up, and I, I think I can end with this story. When I was growing up um, in my little four-square church in Gaffney, South Carolina, um, there were a group of people who began to come to our Sunday night service who had uh, experienced the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit because of their involvement in the charismatic movement of the 70s. And, and one of the women who came, um, God had placed this gift in her, but she had not learned how to use it uh, in order. I'll put it that way. And so we would have worship and prayer time, and then our pastor Larry Irvin would be teaching. And in the middle of the message... Suddenly, Sister Turner was talking in a language that nobody knew, and she interrupted the message. That's not how it's supposed to happen. It always will happen 
in a way that's in order so that it builds up and it brings edification. And the Bible tells us that the gifts are subject to the prophets. In other words, it's not like we're suddenly, I don't have control of my body kind of thing. <laughs> it just means the Holy Spirit prompts. <laughs> Eric, that was funny. <laughs> the Holy Spirit prompts. We take obedience. We're obedient and we act in faith. There are three other gifts. I'm not going to go over them today. Um, but you have the great opportunity to study them on your own. But here's what I want to say. Even though today concludes a five-week study in the Holy Spirit, it should not conclude the work of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives and in the life of our church. We actually want to be a church where the gifts are in operation, that there would be prophetic words that are being spoken, words of wisdom, knowledge, discernment, all of those things. We want to see them at work in the life of the church so that it builds up and we can be blessing to others. And I promise you, we will always steward, as leaders, we'll steward those gifts well. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? Let me pray. If there's anyone here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to know how, you see me after service and I will tell you all about it. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the gifts that you have imparted to us so that we can be blessings to others. And I pray that you would stir up, help us stir up the gifts in us, fan into flame so that we would be a church that uh, we see the operation of the gifts so that we can be built up. We can be building up others, edifying and uh, growing into who you called us to be. Thank you, Father God. I speak blessings on every person as they leave today. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.